You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. It only took us 15 minutes. Yeah, we're only 15 minutes late. Um, That's typical on this podcast. I bet you... In the 200, well, we've done like 100 and some guest episodes. I bet you 80% of them start at least 10 minutes late because of some sort of technical issue. We've had to twice, we've had to like just say screw it and we'll try again some other day. So they wow. just skip like the, because like this is recorded. Does this come out on your Friday one tomorrow? Or yeah. Or is it next week? Wow, well, he turns it, around, edits them that fast. He's an editing genius, I guess. Yeah, we'll see. Bracken's on vacation, so he might have other things going. But ideally, yeah, this comes out Friday. So, Wow, okay. Yeah. You guys are actually a part of history today. Do you know that? Why is that? This is some number of – what nope. number are we on? Okay. I don't know what number we're on, so it's not that. No, I've, I've never – we've never recorded a guest podcast without the other host here. Oh. Oh. I just, thought you were saying on the they, one I thought you did one time. I think Bracken did with his brother, which kind of counts, but for <laughs> we'll take it still. For yes, for your sake, you are. This is a monumental episode. This is the first history. time you're you're flying solo. Yep, but nice. I've been looking forward to this conversation. I think we can handle it, fellas. I think we can handle it. <laughs> we'll see. So you got, have, hour in, I'm sweating. <laughs> um. So I think I should just feel – so audience, listeners, um, so we just flow into this thing, by the way. Like, we'll just plug in whenever we feel like it, and uh, we edit this thing, too, on the back end. So, like, no big deal. Bracken edits this thing, so we'll interrupt his vacation <laughs> a little bit. But, hey, Bracken. Um, yeah, so if you guys remember, listeners, back um, – gosh, I don't know. Maybe you guys would know. How long ago was the Stephen Menya interview? Maybe, like, a year ago. Have you guys listened to that? I did yeah. listen to that. It, so it was long ago, long enough ago where I asked Stephen about it, and he I had to remind him that he was on your podcast. <laughs> so, so it it was a while Bless ago, I guess. Yeah, uh, that, was, okay. that was a wicked podcast. That was like the first introduction to Stephen was listening to that. Oh, I suppose because when you guys hopped on board at the at the gym, you had just didn't know much about him yet, huh? No. Nope. Mm-hmm. No, nope. I learned you had a podcast, and then we heard he was on it, and it was like a super good episode. So, yep, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I tell you what, if you don't have anything but respect for that man, <laughs> after what he's done, but but anyway, so Bracken's not here today. I think you guys have probably figured that out. Um, and I'm running solo. And then if you think back to the Stephen Menya episode, let's just call it a year ago, maybe it was a great interview with. Uh, like I would call it my partner, but really not. What I do is I rent a facility called Lions Gym and Wellness Center. And Stephen and I had been working together for the last 12 years. So we've gotten pretty close. Well, how long has it been since you guys walked in Lions Gym and Wellness Center's doors? Oh, we got to be coming up seven, on Seven, eight months. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah, about seven, eight months. Okay. Well, then seven or eight months ago, these, you know, <laughs> slouches come strolling in. <laughs> Benjamin Britton and Peter Stanley. Um, they're not slouches. They're doctors of physical therapy. And then slowly over the last seven months, I've gotten to know you guys, basically. You guys have been in and out. And um, and then I learned, like, you know what I thought when I, like, first, like, once I started getting to know you guys? And I, and I don't mean this to pat us on the back or not, but you reminded me a lot of myself, like, a decade ago. 
you yeah, guys are hustling. That's positive. <laughs> yeah, I, I could. I remember having conversations conversations with you and i was like kirk what was it like when you started and you're like well i didn't make rent a few months and <laughs> so yeah it's kind of where we're at uh-huh. and you guys started um a business called revival pt and you're flying solo meaning like you didn't go work for the man you didn't go work for a clinic you two decided to sort of start your own independent <laughs> physical therapy business is that correct did that start right away no, we both did work for the man for a little bit, but it didn't take long to realize like this is not what we want to do long term. So we yeah, kind of I think we technically graduated in 2018, and I know we yep. started the LLC for revival in February of 2019. So I mean, it wasn't very long that we worked like, and not that there's like this is one thing that I tell people. Not that there's anything wrong with like you know the man. PT clinics, they're just, they put kind of handcuffs on the general PT uh, clinician that just, you can't treat how you want. You just, there's so much red tape where we knew kind of right away that it was like, this is not what we signed up for. And then Pete was really the one that was like, he was just like, dude, we should do this. Like, and he's just, that's kind of his personality. He just goes for it. So that was just like, he talked me into it. So I like it. Good job, Pete. Yeah. Are you, are you still, so when I, when I left, um, I left corporate and then started my PT business back in 2010 and I wasn't joking, Pete, like, um, you know, it was like breadcrumbs for a long time. There were, you know, so you guys are young guys. I believe you both have kids at home, right? You're married. You're yep. not 30 yet. You're both what? 29. Yep. Almost 30. Yep. I'm I should say impressed. almost I got a few months yet. But. Yeah, don't don't count those eggs before they, they hatch. Um, but uh, where was I going with that? Um, anyway, so yeah, so it was like you know the first few months or even part of that first year, like I was calling mom and dad, but and I was like, mom, I can't pay rent, and she's like, Why did you leave your corporate job, you idiot? Like, what are you doing? And now I'm paying for it, and it was kind of a deal, and I didn't have a family, and I didn't have. Um, like people to take care of other than myself so that's kind of more of a leap for you fellas isn't it what's that been like well i'd say the the difficult part of that is is we haven't we haven't 100 percent leap so i know we're both like working you know <clears throat> trying to help out at other jobs just to supplement us enough to keep revival going and be our number one thing like that's our goal is by 2023 to have this be like our number mm. one thing so it's because of the family and because, you know, you got the mortgage and you got a kid feed people and whatnot. Like we haven't gone 100%, but it's getting closer and closer to that. Mm. Um, so regardless, though, kind of scary to like, like I switched jobs just for this so that I could have way more uh, freedom. I know Pete did the same thing. So it's like there's definitely been leaps just to put us closer to just keep grinding and keep trying to go after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll say a beauty of kind of being a PT, you know, like for example, you Kirk, there's no way you could work another personal training job and still have your own personal training business because your employer won't allow that. So, Mm -hmm. um, within PT, there's home health, there's nursing home settings, there's acute care hospital settings, and they're not going to care that you're working, uh, your own physical therapy practice out of a gym you know what I mean? So there's yep. just other avenues where you can kind of make things work. Does it get messy? Absolutely. But you got to you gotta just figure it out. Nobody said, you guys are damn idiots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anybody, sure did anybody say that to you that. guys? Maybe not to our face, but I'm sure it was said. My own sister said it to my face when I quit. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, my younger sister is one of the most, uh, I'd say, successful young people I know in the corporate world. And she's always acted like my older sister in the sense <laughs> that I still, I think, get life advice from her. But um, all right. So so I just want to set like a backstory a little bit on you guys before we like dive into some stuff, because like we've all had what we both had cam- casual conversations in the gym and I've been pretty impressed. It's just like, I don't know, the way you guys like carry yourselves, the way you deal with your patients, the way we've spoken about little things. Peter, you came up to me the other day and was giving me some food for thought on um, like lower leg stuff out of, out of yeah. nowhere. Um, and so anyway, so like I'm like, yeah, these young guys are just like hustling. You're doing it right. You're knowledgeable. And I thought we had to get you guys on to talk about some nuances um, through your lens about this, you know, this is the runner space, but you know, general like physicality and health and all that stuff as well. I think we can dive into. And Ben, the other day you asked me, it was like, uh, what what kind of schooling do you guys have? You said, and I said, why do you ask? He's like, because you guys seem to know a heck of a lot. <laughs> and I'm and I'm telling you, we fake it. Like you guys actually know. <laughs> and Bracken and I Don't just bullshit. Don't believe that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. We've just become master bluffers. But um, <laughs> so why don't you guys give me a little bit about like your backgrounds um, in sport and, and all of that? Like how, how you guys even you know, where you came from, how your upbringing, all that. Yeah. You want to start? Sure. Um, yeah. So grew up uh, in Anoka. So Minnesota boy born and raised, played football, basketball, baseball, kind of some soccer dabbled the whole life. Just was like sports, sports, sports. Loved it. Um how I got on into PT was I actually had to go to PT when I was uh, probably like freshman, sophomore year of high school because I was playing football and I was quarterback, so I was throwing a whole bunch, and then I went right into summer baseball, and then it just it was everything was thrown, thrown, thrown. So I had a whole bunch of shoulder issues going on. So I was like, oh, okay, I got to go to PT. That was kind of my first um, introduction to physical therapy, and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like, I like this. I want to look into this. Kind of, this is like the the classic story of how like ninety percent of PTs get into it. But mm-hmm. um, so did that continued played football we both so me and pete met in college um we actually were pretty close he grew up in rogers but um so we played football for college saint scholastica that's how we met um and you both played football there yep yep and i know like i picked the school because it had the pt program uh at the end of you know the four years you go to the physical therapy program after that so um that was kind of like I was questioning, like, oh, do I want to do PT? I don't know. Like, it's a big decision when you're, whatever, 17, 18 years old, and you're like, oh, the rest of my life's decided right now, whatever my major is, which I don't – that's a whole other story to get But to. it really is a good one to talk about because, yeah. like, that is – in your line of work, you kind – like, if you want to be, let's say, a chiropractor or you want to go into the med- – like, uh, like an MD, it's like these kids got to decide this at, like, 17 years old. Which How the heck do you do that? Insane. Well – and I'm, I'm one to say I don't love how the system's set up. Like, it's after going through it, like, I'm happy at, with the decision that I made. But I just don't like how it's set up to you have to decide this. And, like, you really haven't had experiences that would allow you to really hone in on what you really love and that kind of stuff. Now, I think that I got lucky and I ended up in a profession that I really enjoy and I think I'm, I'm good at. But um, how I kind of was like the, the aha moment was my mom got breast cancer in my freshman, freshman year of college. And we were having, this is right when my brother and sister started having babies. And her big goal, she had, you know, some lymphedema stuff going on. She had surgeries. Her, she couldn't, her right arm was just like toast. She couldn't use it. And her big thing was like she just wanted to hold her grandchildren. It was like the only thing that she wanted to do. So 
this was when I was questioning PT and it ended up, she ended up like going to PT and this was like the number one thing. And she was just like crying, like in happiness of like being able to hold the kids. And she, she said it was PT and it was like, all right, like this makes sense. This is what mm. I think I'm supposed to be doing. So that was kind of like the aha moment for me. And then fast forward, went to PT school and uh, ended up out of PT school, got a job for what you call like the big box PT outpatient, what everybody thinks they want to be doing. Right. Um, and found out it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And not to say that again, there's really good clinicians in those settings. It's just the setting is the biggest constrictor. So mm-hmm. that's when Pete kind of brought it up and, uh, we ran with it, but no, I've always been a fan of just sports. I love golfing, fishing. Um, I like just being outdoors, hanging out with family. So it's kind of my, my background. That was perfect. What about you, Pete? Bring us up to speed. Uh, on you I, I mean ben kind of spoke for you a little bit i don't know if <laughs> that. no that's all right yeah. um yeah no i mean similar story i grew up in rogers minnesota which is just you know kind of a northwest suburb not far from the gym here um but yeah, i grew up playing baseball football hockey um and then i kind of always knew i wanted to do pt as well just because i had dealt with my fair share of injuries like i blew up my knee tore ligament in my wrist, just, just all sorts of stuff where I went through the rehab process myself. And at the time I was a big gym rat. So I was just kind of into working out and fitness and whatnot. Um, so I went to St. Scholastica played, I actually played offensive line. If you can believe that I I used to weigh like 270 pounds. Nobody can see you, right? This is offensive line though. Really? We don't do average dude. He was really good. I believe you. We we don't do video, so nobody's going to be seeing you right now. But if they could, I'd be, they would be surprised. So, uh, okay, continue. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I, I went there. I actually, my freshman year, so I went in as a freshman at probably 235 pounds. Okay. And then that that spring, I put on 40 pounds. And I would say 20 pounds of muscle, probably 20 pounds of just mass, just just is that the nice word for eating. fat mass that's right that's right <laughs> is that the yep. technical term there the, <laughs> there the you political go term yeah i got it that's right um uh-huh. but yeah so then after senior year you know i was basically 265 270 throughout college um and then when i got done i was like you know i should probably start trying to get into shape and then so i lost probably 50 pounds and then i really got into running so mm-hmm. since then i've ran multiple half marathons, three fulls, and then, you know, some Tough Mudders, a couple of Ragnars. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then along the way, I've just dealt with my own set of injuries with that. You know, I've, I think I've had Achilles tendonitis, plantar fasciitis, uh, hamstring tendinopathy, you know, all sorts of stuff. But then once I started PT school, it was kind of cool because it was like, oh, yeah, I dealt with that, you know, like six months ago. And then I kind of worked through, like, what I did. You know what I mean? And then, yep. then after going through PT school and as I continued running, it just kind of started to make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know so, what you mean. Sure, yeah. it'd be nice if I could fix myself. Like, <laughs> yeah. if I could troubleshoot in the moment as well as you guys could, that'd be convenient. Yeah, it, I mean, I don't always fix myself. Like, there's been times where I'm like, oh, I might want to reach out to this other runner PT guy. But mm-hmm. then usually it works itself out. You know, sometimes it really is a guess and check kind of thing. Like, I'm like, well, I'm going to try this for the next four days and see how I feel on my next run. And so far, it's worked out. Yeah, I would say. So um, people people like to uh, 
romanticize my co-host Brackens in my relationship. You know, our little bromance. I'm his sort of like his podcast wife or he is mine. Um, we, we got a good thing going, right? And we found each other because we realized we were like very like-minded. Um, we had similar philosophies on training. We got along well, not like either of us are hard to get along with, but we were like, let's make this an official like Facebook relationship here, Bracken. Let's start this podcast and let's like move together as a unit. And it's worked out pretty well for us since. So what's so special about Pete, Ben? That's what I want to know. What's so special about Pete? Wow, geez, how much time do we have? Uh, I don't know. I bet you so, it'll take you 30 seconds at most. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, no. So I think the, the thing that was really like, I mean, so me and Pete, after we graduated from our undergrad, we lived together for the next two years in PT school. So obviously okay. you get to know somebody pretty well too, and you're sleeping 10 feet away from them in the next room. So yeah, it's fair. Um, so I got to know him obviously really, really well there. And then it was just like, uh, Pete's just, Pete's a dude that he is the opposite of me in the sense that he is, so, he's like, let's do it. Like I'm gung ho. Let's get it done. Like we're going to wing it a little bit. That's fine. And I'm like kind of the analytical, like I need to step back. And if I don't think that's everything's in a row, which I think is a detriment to me at times. So it's nice having that kind of opposite sided mind to do certain things and go after it. So I think the, the thing Pete just, he's just kind of, he is a grinder. Like if I could describe him in one thing, like he was a great offensive lineman. He's just like in his business, it's the same thing. He just, he's willing to just grind and just like, if it sucks, oh well, like it'll get better. I just got to grind and go through it. And it's like having someone like that as your partner, it's like, well, man, I got to do the same thing. Like, I can't not be doing anything because like he's That's just right. going to keep grinding. So I think it just it works really well that we're not the same. Like we, we butted heads a couple times. I think that's OK. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's knowing that like we're not exactly the same. And the differences, I think, are really positive and they flourish kind of just growth within the business and like consistency of keeping going. Like I said, we started in 2019 and, you know, 2022, we weren't super serious about it right away, but it was just like consistency. And Pete just like, you know, we got to like do this next step and we got to keep going. And it's just kind of being able to flow back and forth off each other, I think has worked really well. That was, that was pretty nice. That would have been a long <laughs> elevator ride for me. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think I could have got it in. What about, what about you, Pete? What, what's, uh, what's that been like working with, uh, with Ben? Yeah, no, it's been good. Kind of like literally what he just said. I I don't like um, organizing things or like the nuts and bolts of things. Like I'm more like, let's just go and do it. So Ben will kind of take those things off my plate. And like, like one of the things, Kirk, that I suck at that Ben is really good at is like making things look neat, like a Facebook post or like a handout we got to make. Those are important. Ben's really good at that and, like, can take that off my plate. Like, okay, here's an example, Kirk. Kirk, or sorry, Ben is like Bracken with editing your podcast. He would do that. I mm. wouldn't be the one who could do something like that. Like, it just, I'm understanding I don't the, you. I don't have the attention to detail to do that kind of thing. Yeah. You both have full yeah. heads of hair, so you can't draw too many parallels between me and Bracken. <laughs> um and he's not here to defend himself which uh it's the best time man we'll just load it it really is um okay so what did you guy well who's the better football player let's lay it on me i want to hear a little bit about this pete easy you were quarterback you were you were quarterback aren't you the guy that gets all the girls start i didn't start i broke my foot three times sophomore junior well twice junior year but one sophomore and twice junior year the same spot over and over so 
I mean, I loved playing QB. Would have loved to play in college. Just didn't uh, didn't work out for me. So I still had a ball mm. with it. But definitely Pete, 100%. I will say, yeah. too, you can't really – it's like comparing your <laughs> your – long distance runner to your hundred meter sprinter. You know, you just, you just can't compare the two. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. yeah I do. So, okay. Yeah. Well, like, I don't yeah. think many kids grow up and be like, I'm going to be an offensive lineman. You just right. wait. And uh, yep, I'm going to be the star of the team as the offensive <laughs> lineman. See, I figured you guys had gotten, you know, along so well, cause Pete protected you back in the pocket, Ben and Ben, you were very thankful for that. And it just blossomed into this nice little thing, but that's not the case, huh? Well, he still did that. Like, because I still was playing Q. It was just my one sophomore year hit. My injuries kind of took over. But even like freshman year, I mean, he we still practiced different things. He was still there, protected. So, I mean, all the O linemen. I feel like there is a special connection between any of the O linemen and any of the quarterbacks because it mm. is always like it's like a you know you don't have to talk about it, but it's like yeah, all right, you guys got my back. Like you're the five dudes out here that are supposed to protect me on every play. So. There, yeah. There's a problem if the O linemen don't like the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that doesn't work out well for anybody. Yeah, it doesn't work out well quickly. for anybody. No. <laughs> All right, and um, okay, and what did what did you fellas think of um, running when you were, let's say, back then? Like, uh, like Ben, I'm trying to get on your ass to get back going with this, and we've had. I so know. just so you know, you're, you're not you're on a running podcast, so let's just yep yep. We're aware, right? Just, I knew this would come out eventually. I'm a non. I'm a. I'm a self-proclaimed non-runner. So this is now. I'll say I told you that listening to this podcast has me a little bit like, mo- like intrigued, a little motivated. <laughs> you might have saw it. I was running in here the other day. That's unusual. All right. Well, we've had other non-runners on our podcast that adamantly say that they hate it, and so you're not the first. And Pete does run, but what's so bad about running, Ben? What's what's this is, what do you, what's going on, coming. man? I knew this was coming. Nothing. Um, I think it's more of like I've just never committed to it. It's kind of like I don't know a different like sport or something that you try once or twice and you're just not good at it, so then you don't continue with it. I think that's kind of been my relationship with running. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always liked like you know, fitness of running, but I've always like, let's play basketball or let's do something where I can run. But it's like, I don't know. I've never been good at having an objective with running, just going. And also I've never probably committed to it. So again, nothing wrong with it. It's something that I'm like, gosh, I should probably start doing it or start doing a little bit more. I have done a tough mutter. So I have that at least. I know that's Mm -hmm. probably like on this podcast, that's like, I don't know, playing with jacks or something. I don't even know. No, what that no, is, it's but. not. No, it's not. We 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 do mud running here. That's actually some of the main stuff we talk about, isn't it, Pete? Yeah. Yeah. See, so no, that's up our alley. Although tough mutter, you know, which is great. It brings people together. It's about teamwork. But it's like kind of walking and then standing in the next line and then doing your obstacle. Well, that's what I mean. <laughs> Compared to the ones you guys do, I'm saying this is very low level. But I mean, it was it was still it was fun to do. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll accept your answer for now. And then, <laughs> and then, and Pete, what about you? What you found running, obviously, like just going out running for fitness or joy after college, huh? After football, yeah. During football, I hated running. It was, I mean, it was all powerlifting. You know, that's all I did. I was just in a weight room lifting, and then um, I think it was just like when I lost all that weight I was I started running to try and like enhance trying to get in better shape which Mm. still was tough at the time like I remember just my calves and my shins were just killing me but it just took time and just slowly over time it just seemed to get easier and then I I had 
I know, right? You just got to stay mm-hmm. consistent. Yeah, and then, um, so St. Scholastic is in Duluth, right? So um, I was like, well, I should run Graham's Half Marathon. I've lived in Duluth for six years now. Let's start with a half, see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was training with some classmates who were running the full. So there was a couple of days I was like, well, I'll try running with you guys. We ran like 14 miles. And the most I'd ever ran was, you know, six. And I remember just dying but at least i knew i could do it right mm-hmm. um so then from there i ran the half and it just kind of spiraled into like let's keep going and you learn to kind of like right now i'm back in the grind again um and you just learn to love it like even the days you don't want to run i try and figure out a way to just do it even if it's late at night and you always feel better after the fact you know and you'll just mm-hmm. feel worse if you don't squeeze in that run so Ben's like been feeling terrible his entire life, apparently. Though. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Well, after listening to that that Rubus episode too, they're like, there is no, there you can't have an excuse if you just point people towards that one, and then they're like, this he's running eighteen miles in his house. So good old Rubus. We just Snapchatted a little before this. Yeah, we, him and I have been Snapchatting quite a bit lately. Um, but it is, I mean, it is true, guys. Like, I ran at the collegiate level, right, and I'm still competing at somewhat of a high level today. And even if, like, I took two weeks off of running and I went out and ran, I'd be like, this is terrible. Like, I feel awful. And what happens with all you, like, newbie idiots, we'll call you, (laughs) is that you go out and you just, like, run way too fast for your fitness. And then you suck wind and die. And then everything about it is terrible. And your body feels like it's exploding from the inside out. And you're like, why would I ever put myself through that again? Why do people run? It's terrible. And if people could just understand to, like, slow down, like, try to enjoy it for as long as possible on their first run, and then, like, suck it up and do it, like, three times a week for two weeks in a row, and suddenly, (laughs) you know, it typically takes roughly what, like, I mean, you can play around with this, but let's call a week and a half for your body to make physiological changes or adapt to exercise. Let's just call it a week and a half. Like, you just get past that week and a half, Mark. And suddenly your life doesn't suck every time you put your running shoes on. Like, you just got to, like, get past that hump. Right? Not that I'm yep. here to and preach to Ben at all. But I, I know. I, mean, I better go out and run yep. after this. this is- <laughs> no, I totally agree. And over the, like, the past year and a half, I've written a couple training plans for people who want to run their first 5K or a half or something. And every single one, like, in the beginning, they're like, this seems like I'm not running very far. And I'm like, I know. That's where you're supposed to be right now. Mm-hmm. It just t- it builds on itself. You're going to get hurt if you're running too far in the beginning, too often, or too fast. So you just you just got to take it slow and slowly mm-hmm. build up. Well, the, and that's, the, that's why I'll say I'll never say I hate running or anything like that. I would say I've never committed to running. And I have, like, you, I think it was actually Bracken talking on, I don't know, one of your most recent ones, that uh, he, he was watching all of the people go through the whatever race he went to, and he was just like, this is miserable. Like I couldn't do this even Mm -hmm. though he does it, but it was like, that's what I like watching people. And it's like, you're going through that marathon. It's like, man, this looks miserable. I don't, this is, this is terrible. But obviously there is just like anything lifting football. There's some joy in that misery, which is what keeps you coming back a little bit too. It's true. I mean, hard work always is, is rewarding, whether it's building your PT business or suffering through a long run and then knowing you're better for it or you progressed your life in some way right i'll tell you what the going out too hard thing so i got my mother um dragged me to a hershey track meet and i've I've mentioned this once on the podcast before but if so it might be a little redundant but i was in fourth grade 
and the Hershey track meet came to Green Bay, Wisconsin, which is where I'm from. And uh, basically what happens is the top people in each age group, it's for children, for kids, get a ticket, an expense paid ticket to Hershey, Pennsylvania. It's put on by like the candy company, which seems a little <laughs> contradictory now that I'm older. But, and you go to Hershey, Pennsylvania and compete in the national track meet. And I decided, okay, I didn't train. I was just a, I was a kid. And I ran, I had a 50 meter lead. I was running the 800, two laps around the track. And I had wow. a 50 meter lead halfway through that race. And I could barely get my feet to walk the last 100 meters. And the entire yeah. world went by me. And I was so embarrassed. And it hurt so bad. I mean, I played as a kid and ran in the yard and, and all of those things that kids do. But like that scarred me. And you want to know what happened? I didn't run until eighth grade it took me four more years to be like i'm gonna try that again and now i imagine like an adult trying who maybe needs to lose some weight or has no clue what yeah. they're doing like i was a kid my body bounced back in a minute and a half from anything i did right <laughs> yep. so point being it even took me some time right i was like that sucked why would i ever do that to myself again then yep. you learn and you learn. Yep. I'll, <laughs> I'll say one thing too, Kirk. Like even I just, I've been going through this for the last couple months. So when I was doing marathon training, I was like in the best running shape of my life. And then obviously I took probably a good year and a half off where I almost did nothing after my wife and I had our daughter. Mm-hmm. And then I was getting back into it and there's something in the back of my mind like, no, I'll be, I'll be okay. I'll be able to run <laughs> the same speed I was. And I just had to get... I had to get real with myself and just think, no, you're no different than anybody else. You know, you know these things, but physiologically, it's the same. So I had, to, I had to humble myself and just be like, take a step back. And now I'm building myself back up. But, yeah, it's just yeah. even in those situations where it's like some people are a good runner and then they stop for a while. And it's like you got to build yourself back up to that point because you don't, you don't just keep it. Yeah. No, and I guess I got to pose a question to you guys. You guys might have some insight on this. So I think that let's say you are a runner or you're a non-runner, but let's say regardless as to your history, you haven't run for the last year, let's just say. Of course, your VO2 max is going to drop, but like my baseline will always be higher than your guys' baseline. I could take the next three years off and you guys could train your butts off and I will still have a higher VO2 max deconditioned than you guys probably ever will because of the nature of my sport, what I've built up over time, etc. But I'll go back and run and it will be equally as miserable for me as it will for the person who's never run. Like it really will feel that horrible. And I believe that most of those beginning quandaries are due to like your inability to absorb impact. I think that the biggest thing is like, I mean, the damage that is created when your body hasn't absorbed impact for a long time is what really holds new runners back. Not their cardio fitness as much, but like their, their ability to take impact. What do you, th- what are your thoughts on that? Like, what do you think are like, what do you think is affected the most in the body when you like return to running after some time off? You guys have any mm-hmm. thoughts on that? Yep. Uh, <laughs> definitely ligaments, tendons, muscles for sure. Cause it's just like, for example, somebody could hop on the elliptical and go and go and go and go and you'll still feel pretty good. Right. And you'll, you'll probably surprise yourself, but it's once you're getting that loading and recoil of what running is, because all, all running is, is essentially you're taking a single leg jump continuously 
over mm-hmm. time, right? So like a mini tiny it, power loaded <laughs> jump. Exactly. Yep. And if you think about it, if you're going to run, you know, Kirk, a six minute mile for you, but it, you know, if somebody's going to run like a nine thirty minute mile, every single stride has to emit the same amount of force to say at the same speed, if you're running flat, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, one of the biggest tests I have people do is let's see how well you can do a single leg calf raise. And you'd be surprised. A lot of people can barely do a single leg calf raise and control down nice and easy. So it's like, if you can't do that standing, it's no wonder why you're getting lower extremity injuries once you go out and try and run. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Because over time, it's just going to compile on itself. So I guess to kind of answer that question, I think if somebody took a year off of running, just completely took a year off of running, mm-hmm. but they kept their strength training up, you're, it's completely different. You know what I mean? Because that person's, their tendons are going to be ready to go for when they do start running. Hmm. I agree with that based on my own yeah. injuries and experience. Ben, do you have any thoughts on any of that? No, I think Pete summed that up pretty well. Um, yeah. Way to go, Pete. No, I like this answer. All right, good. That's how it should be, right? Bracken and I rarely disagree. So so we should kind of get into the meat and potatoes of this thing. So I was perusing your guys' website before this, which I hadn't done previously. Like, you have a blog. You have a runner's guide on there. Like, you guys obviously deal with runners quite frequently. Um, Pete, I... Uh, you have like an ultra marathoner who comes in regularly, Joe, who's going to get a shout out now on the podcast. Hey, Joe, um, which I think you got him listening to this, didn't you? Yeah. Yep. Joe. So you guys deal with runners, right? And I want to get into this, like, how can we help people? Because if you've been running and you've been training hard, like the chances of overuse injuries in some aspect is like 100%, right? I don't think there's a way around it. And I think 90% of people listening, whether they're injured in quotes or not, have some sort of niggle or nagle or reoccurring issue in which they notice, like, ah, my hip's a little funnier, ah, my shins are a little sore, anything, right? Like, there's always stuff going on. And so, I mean, I imagine, I mean, that's been my experience anyways. I can't remember a day in which I didn't have some sort of pain somewhere, right? And so, like, I want to start with the preventative side of things, right? Like, on the... On the podcast, Bracken's brought us through like his rehab journeys and all that, but we rarely talk prehab, for example. So let's hope that, fingers crossed, most of our listening crowd is healthy right now. <laughs> like if you were going to walk, I don't care who starts here, Ben, you want to start, but like walk us through like if you are a endurance athlete and you're spending time on feet, let's just talk prehab. What are what are some of the things that that runners you believe should be doing and why? And I don't know if you want to go back and forth or what your thoughts are, but we'll keep it open. Um, well, one thing, and again, I definitely, I work with runners, obviously Pete's more of the runner, but I think yep. when I work with runners, one thing that, I mean, I often ask is what do you do besides running? And it's, it's one thing that running is such a, a frontal plane. You're running in a single motion, like, especially if they're just a road runner, yep. you're doing the same type of motion over and over and over. And it's talk about overuse injuries. Like, are you lifting any weights? Are you, are you putting stress on your tendons, your joints diff- in different ways? Like, that's the biggest thing that I can see is if it's if running is everything and that's the only thing you do, often you're going to see some of these overuse injuries climb up on you because you don't have the resiliency in other areas of your body that that I would like uh, as a physical therapist looking at you and coming in to talk to me. Um, 
another thing that I always like to put in or like to kind of interject into if they're, if they're starting training, they feel good, all that stuff, is some sort of lateral type movement. Because again, if you're a road runner or something like that, it's such a straight line movement that you just don't do anything laterally. And again, it's really good for ankles, for joints, adding in balance components. Like just honestly a well-rounded, uh, even if you're only doing one or two days a week of this other stuff, throwing some of this other stuff at your body so it's not one single type plane motion all the time. Okay. Well, I'm going to interrupt you right away then because I have a follow-up question to that. And that is, <laughs> okay, <clears throat> I agree with you 100%, by the way. Absolutely. I think like the first question you should ask somebody who comes in would be like, they're a runner, they're an injury. Like, what else do you do to support your running? Because I, I could not agree more. But right now, like you just hinted at, let's call like the um, like the piddly shit. I'll call it like like you're not like you gotta get squatting and you gotta get deadlifting. You're like you need to work your support muscles and your lateral staff, right? You're not like it's time to max out your leg press. We're not talking about that stuff. So if you had to wait the two, like let's say you're only a runner, that's all you care about. Would you say it's more important to do like the like minute finite movements more than the big heavy loaders or would you incorporate it all which is probably going to be your answer but I just want to hear your thoughts I mean, on that. I'll 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 I won't just yeah take the easy way and say incorporate it all cuz that would be ideal. Like if you got 2 days a week I'd like you to incorporate something of both. I'll say if you are like a casual runner and you run for your health and you're not worried about racing, you're not worried about doing this type of stuff. I mean, again, what I love, at least you're mixing in some sort of some strength work where you are doing some deadlifts and some stuff that research has shown is not only good for your ankles, your knees, your low back, all that type of stuff that we always hear. You got degenerative discs, this and that. Like there's research to show deadlifts and all that stuff is really, really beneficial for that. So, yeah, I want you doing that. But I think the simple stuff that more people could be doing if they're just that casual runner is, quote unquote, the piddly stuff where it's you're doing the side steps with the band. You can do that at home. You're doing some balance work. You're doing some things that challenges your body slightly differently. That doesn't involve a whole bunch of weights or you don't have to go to the gym and, you know, feel like you don't belong in the gym or something like that. So I would say if there was like one thing, start introducing some of this other piddly stuff at home where you're not, uh, like I'm just putting my <laughs> non, yep. Correct jargon onto two professionals. I'm sorry about that. Uh, no, I like that. <laughs> I got I like you saying piddly word. stuff. I like that. So that's <laughs> Put what that I on your website. Today. Let's make a video. And let's let's <laughs> see what credibility that brings. You. Here's some piddly stuff. The yeah. Here's the piddly Friday stuff. We'll piddly stuff for you. Um, so that's what I'd say. I mean, it's kind mm. of a, a cop out of yes, do some of both. Cause it's just, it is good for you, but Honestly, balance work is one thing that I'm a big proponent of that we almost never, ever do past, like, mm -hmm. I don't know, 18 when you stop playing sports. You never do, like, specific balance work, which is so good, again, for running, for ankles, for, you know, hip stability, for your ability when you do step on a rock or step something weird to be able to transition from that and just keep running rather than roll your ankle. Like, all those things are so big, it's just something you don't usually work on. Okay, well, I got a gun to your head now, and I'm forcing you to answer, Okay. Yikes. You have to pick one. You either are allowed access to and can fully use barbells and dumbbells um, and strength train for the rest of your life. This is with the runner in mind, or you're not allowed to use dumbbells and barbells, but all the other piddly shit your heart can ever dream up of in order this to keep this runner healthy. Oh. Yes. So you got to pick one. It's basically like deadlifts and squats and who, who, who movements, or it's the piddly Jane Fonda stuff. What are you competing or is this the casual runner? God, quit picking holes in my question. <laughs> you you care about you care about performance. Let's not talk OCR or anything that takes strength work, but God, that's you a tough question. you 
You care, but you gotta pick one. Which one are you going with? I'm interested to hear Pete's answer. Can I can I phone a friend? I have like an answer, but I'm kind of interested to hear Pete's prior to mine. Yeah. What do you think? I'm gonna right. phone a friend. I'm gonna let Pete take it. Is it I first would... of all? Is this an unfair question? I guess. Am I asking something? No, that's not no. I think it's an interesting well, question because it's probably something well, a lot of casual runners this is probably where, think about. This is where my mind is at. You, definitely, the answer is keep the dumbbells. Keep the keep the weight. Okay, that's it is. Okay. you want access to that. But there's still a lot of things you can do with all that stuff. You know what I mean? You can still do you can still do piddly stuff with added weight. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, you're saying piddly now too. I am saying piddly. But you, you, whatever word you want to use instead of piddly, yes. please. Yeah. And you you did mention performance. If you want to be a good runner, you should probably be deadlifting. You should def. I shouldn't say probably. You should be deadlifting. You should be squatting. Some of the best runners deadlift a lot definitely over their own body weight so mm-hmm. that's important uh one thing i will say you know guys like you and bracken you have been running for so long you i feel like both of you like if i did a pt assessment on either of you guys all your little accessory muscles are probably built up so much at this point where you don't necessarily have to do some of those accessory exercises we'll say <laughs> i was waiting much. to see what where do these are um that's better that's better yeah, and then, but like when you guys are squatting and deadlifting, you've done it for so long that you're using good form. You're getting your glutes engaged. You're getting your upper hamstrings. You're getting your back extensor muscles, right? And then I know just from talking to you, you do a lot of hills. So you're basically getting your calf work in just from running hills like crazy. Mm-hmm. But when you get the peep, somebody who comes in and like, I just have this nagging little issue and yeah, I feel it during deadlifts. I feel it while I'm running. I feel it doing this. It's like, okay, we might have to break this down to isolate said area. You see what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and that's where I the guess, accessory work comes in. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Exactly. And I'll say that's what I would probably agree with that only because like if you don't do any of that, <clears throat> I would say the biggest benefit you're going to get is from the the you know. I don't know how you said the hoo-ha movements or whatever, whatever you said. I want to use all your vernacular while we're going yeah, for it. I don't think it was hoo-ha here. This isn't a sex education show, Ben. <laughs> so the, the big uh, strongman movements, I think you're going to yep. see the biggest benefit. From that <clears throat> oh, I think stuff. I went ho 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 Yeah, I think so you did do that. Yeah. Kind of like Tim the Tool Man Taylor. Yeah, I grunted a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're going to see probably the biggest benefit from those because, again, it's just something people don't usually do, and it is so beneficial that I'd probably say that for most people. Um, now I'll say too, even like him bringing up you and Bracken, like I would bet too, though, that you guys are so good and you, you are so conditioned and your fitness is so high. There's probably an area or two that you guys are so good at compensating that. And you are so strong in certain areas that it covers it up. And like, you won't ever notice that until at some point, you know, either if it does an injury pop up or your fitness does get worse, like that's when those might pop up too. Where like, I know even in, when we were in PT school, I remember one story of, it was our, our professor telling us about, they worked with Olympic athletes. And some of these Olympic athletes, for certain movements, like a pelvic tilt kind of movement, they were just terrible. Like they couldn't, they could not do it. They couldn't figure out how to do it. Would but be a pelvic so... tilt, like tucking your hips up under you, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Like kind of okay. tucking your butt, squeezing your glutes kind of yep. underneath yep. you. Um, or like getting your core. Like they were talking like, and this was, you know, USA downhill skiers type stuff. And they were, they couldn't do it, but they were so strong and they were so good at compensating. They could still compete at the absolute highest level possible. Um mm-hmm. But it's just, 
it's not sustainable for you know the longest term that's the only problem with it okay so so if we were if the gun was to your head and you had to give the answer it would be maybe again both are good which we know but it would be focus on maybe the big power output type movements more bang for your buck but um really i mean making you guys say that knowing that no accessory work would be done would be pretty painful huh to know that well and at assume. least you're running i would say at least like this person is running still so they're still getting that aerobic activity in besides right. like the big so that's the big yeah where it swings it i feel well the reason i i thought you guys would be good to chime in on this is like i'm always watching right <laughs> like whether you think i'm paying attention to you in the gym or not when you work out because i see these guys work out once in a while and you're often doing um non-barbell single leg multi-plane stuff like when i look at people in the gym working out you absolutely do the most functional movements out of anybody that walks in our door in your own workouts so i know you you're you're buying what you're selling a little bit right i don't think i've ever seen you guys squat or maybe deadlift i've seen one of you but a lot of single leg stuff the bosu balls out a lot things like that yep yep and i'll do like for example i'll usually have a day where it's like, I'm just going to break everything down today and do lighter weights, higher reps, things like that. But I, I squatted heavy on Tuesday, you know. But but before I squatted, I did a bunch of extension-based bodyweight stuff just to kind of prime myself for, okay, now I'm good to go for squat. And then, yeah, I loaded it up. Like, I squatted pretty heavy on t- Tuesday, and I was I'm actually still sore today. So, Well, that's what I definitely don't. I, I've been working out less obviously since my daughter's been born she's about a month but yeah, um, congratulations thank you thank what's her you. name uh, again avery avery nice good i like yes. avery yeah. um but i'll say like that's always one thing i've kind of prided myself on is like i you know i don't run a whole bunch but like i play basketball in the winters i do this stuff and i've never quote knock on wood i need to find something i really have never been injured like a ligament type thing my injury in college i kept breaking the same bone which was just, it's a freak accident that kept happening. But, like, mm-hmm. I've never really been injured from that standpoint. And I feel like it's because when I I really do try to do, you know, tr- make myself a well-rounded kind of athlete, I guess, for lack of mm-hmm. a better term. But um, Once an athlete, always that, an athlete. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Try to do some of that functional stuff. But I will say, again, just the research and everything pointing towards it, like, you got to do some heavy days. It's just, there's so many benefits to it. You got to. You got to load up, even if it's not all the time and it doesn't mean one rep maxes i don't need anybody hurting themselves but you definitely got to load up and do those do those big movements okay well i still want to get back to the uh this started with the prehab question then i distracted myself (laughs) Um, but now i want to distract myself further um which is you believe like research shows you need to do heavy movements even as like a runner now we know like the structural benefits not only to like bone density tendons ligaments all of that stuff muscle bellies of course um but my philosophy as I've gotten older is that even if I didn't see any gains in the gym physically, I didn't see my muscles grow. I didn't see aesthetic gain. I didn't see performance gains directly related to that. I would still do it because I believe of like the hormonal response to heavy stimulus um, for men and women. And of course, with the hormonal response, will give you another like physical benefit response. But mm-hmm. like, do you guys know much about that? Like, Obviously, like as endurance athletes, it's very catabolic. So offsetting it with anabolic work would be really smart. Um, endurance athletes are historically low on testosterone and potentially estrogen. Um, 
because of the broken down nature and strength work and stimulating the nervous system and hormonal system can help like replenish that, so to speak, give you a little boost in the other direction. Do you guys know much about that? Do they, do they get into that in your schooling at all? I they definitely, I mean, they did. I, I won't say at this moment, I don't want to say something out of turn, but they definitely did, but I'll let Pete. It, I don't know, like, I can't speak as much to, like, the hormonal response from lifting, but you just hit the nail on the head where you said running is a catabolic activity, right? Which most of your listeners probably know it means your muscles are breaking down, mm-hmm. right? So you, you're due for an injury if you only run. If you only run over time, you're not it, – it's a myth that running will – make certain muscles strong it doesn't it it doesn't make you you stronger at all um so that's i guess that's why i would say like that's why getting in the weight room and moving around some heavy stuff is so important if you are a runner because it everything all the injuries that i can think of most of the interventions i would give somebody are strength training starting like with Mm -hmm. isometrics and then slowly building up from there until you can tolerate the load again yeah we've all seen like yeah. that and bless their heart like the 70 year old runner who's been running for their their whole entire life and they haven't done anything and they look like the hunchback of notre dame <laughs> shuffling through the street and the wind could blow and knock them over and they just yeah. you know that i'll tell you what like maybe you're slower at 50 because you carry a little more muscle mass than that guy did at 50 but turn that table to 70 and you're probably running circles around him because of the mm-hmm. longevity factor yeah so and everybody's seen the runner too, that all they do is run and it's like, they're very, very, very in shape, but they looked, there's zero tone on their body. And it's yeah, because yeah. again, like their body doesn't need it. They don't need to be physically big, strong. Like they need endurance and they need to be able to go for a long time in their body to really utilize oxygen. Well, like that's all that they're really looking to do. And your body mm-hmm. reacts to whatever stresses you put on it. So if that's the only stress you put on it, your body's going to slowly transition to that's its number one goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one thing I'll add, Kirk, I think we kind of talk, talked about this the other day, but like the strength training for the runner will be different compared on what they do, right? Like we had this conversation, if somebody's just a marathon runner, you might give them more like slow, prolonged lifts as compared to like an OCR person. Um, you might want to do more explosive you know, uh, what did you call it? I learned some things from the other day. The high rocks type yeah, exercise, yeah. right? Where, yep. yeah, it is more intense, right? But that marathon runner, it's just they need to prolong themselves for 26 miles. But you need your muscles to hold up the whole time. So you might just do slower lifts just to get that stimulus, right? Just to build those mm-hmm. muscles back and up. And some piddly stuff. And probably some piddly <laughs> stuff. And some piddly you know, Never forget your piddly stuff, folks. <laughs> Uh, back to prehab. Um, let's say you're healthy or whatever I alluded, like everybody's got a niggle or nagle. Um, let's start with the piddly stuff. <laughs> Accessory movements. Can we call them? I guess. Yeah. What are some things that you believe all runners should be doing? And Pete, I know you have an opinion on this. You started lecturing me about my calves the other day (laughs) that's pete's favorite muscle muscle group is the calves what i think so let's start with the piddly stuff what are some things that you believe all runners should do to keep them moving forward at a healthy rate and prevent prevent injury and again let's most of our listeners really give a shit about their running because they're listening to this podcast so 
let's talk about the athlete runner, the one who's going out and competing and doing long runs. Let's kind of stick to that focus. Um, what do you think? What's some of the piddly stuff? Um, I'll let Pete give more detail, but my number one, like, has a whole round just lateral, lateral stuff, lateral lunges, sidestepping with a band, uh, again, balance work, single leg deadlifts, like, all that, all that stuff of training balance and lateral movements is, like, my big, it doesn't need to be, there's no, you know, silver bullet that you have to do this one movement, it's the only movement that Mm -hmm. you can do. I mean, the big thing is that you're moving and you're using these muscles a little bit differently. So that would be just like my well-rounded approach. Put something in lateral. So get out of your single plane movement pattern yes. and 100%. go multi. Or, okay. So yeah, so you just too. get get rotational. I'm cool with that too. Something different. Okay. What would be an example of a transverse movement? Um, even like so, one thing that I really like to do is is, and this is a little bit more explosive, but like a box jump with you start kind of 90 degrees to the box. And I've seen you doing to jump them. and rotate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to jump and rotate up onto the box and you can even do like, I like to do that same one on a really small box where you're jumping <clears> and you're landing on one foot. So now you're, you're exploding. It's a transverse movement, but then you also have to land and control your body on one foot. So you're just, you're adding a lot of, in my opinion, functional things that obviously even road running, like you're still doing that. You're still landing on one foot over and over. Okay. Well, I want our listeners to buy into this because I think this is some of the stuff I'm missing. <clears throat> And I've been historically chronically injured, and so is my co-host Bracken. I mean, I got a good streak going here. I'm going to knock on wood. But <laughs> they're not going to buy into it unless they know the why. Like you said, oh, well, you're always running forward, so we need to counterbalance that with lateral movements. Well, that's not enough for me. And that's probably not enough for them because to be, eat your vegetables because they're good for you. Somebody's going to be like, all oh, right, I hate vegetables, right? Same thing goes for these this piddly stuff. Like people want – Runners are like high octane, like I want to go sweat, breathe hard. Like if I do banded monster walks, like meh, like it's just like it's the ve- it's the vegetables, man, right? It's the vegetables. So why, like, why is the lateral stuff important? Do you want to take it? Yeah. So I like to think of this like from a biomechanical approach, right? Like usually running, it's always an overuse injury, right? So. If you think about it, if you're not doing the accessory stuff at your hip, so you're not strengthening the deep external rotator muscles, you might see more uh, knees caving in, right? Because Mm -hmm. you're not keeping your femur externally rotated as you land, right? So you're, and if you're unstable at your hip, guess what? You're going to be unstable at your knee. You're going to be unstable at your foot or ankle, right? So Mm -hmm. if your base is not strong, you won't be strong down the chain. So, um, and just, I see this all the time too. Usually when somebody has a calf injury, I can't even put a percentage on it, but usually it's the medial head of someone's calf. Because Mm -hmm. if you think about it, your foot falls in as you land. So you're constantly getting that slight stretch on the medial head of the gastrocnemius, right? And that can be solved with correcting the way you're doing calf raises or just adding in calf raises. But it could also be solved by strengthening your outer hip because if you're not stable at your hip you're not going to be stable all the way down to your knee and your foot or ankle okay does that, make does, sense? The, does that does get the, you buying in a little more well I'm, i bought i mean i bought in a long time ago <laughs> in a sense but with that with the popliteus popliteus muscle is that right would that factor in, in in that case as well i have an athlete who just was told that her popliteus or whatever is that how am i pronouncing that correct popliteus yep popliteus yep um one of those forgotten about muscles behind the knee, but inserts yeah. medially, I believe. 
So they put that yeah, fall in the same camp, like that pronation problem issue. Yeah. So the popliteus is uh, a muscle that really doesn't get talked about a lot, but that's like your screw home mechanism. That's where um, it helps uh, get terminal knee extension. Okay. So I'm talking more like your gluteus medius, your obturator externus, your uh, deep glute muscles that externally rotate. Okay, and then down from there in your lower leg, you got your gastrocnemius and your soleus, which your soleus is often neglected too because that's uh, lies deep to your gastrocnemius. So the way you strengthen that or isolate it is you have to be sitting down with calf raises okay. because your gastrocnemius goes above your knee. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it makes sense. So you're saying like, how would I put this in like an analogy? Like. If you were to like build a lone standing brick wall, just a wall connected to nothing, and you gave it no support beams from either side, eventually that wall is going to like lean, tilt, crumble, or fall, right? And so yeah. the the support beams are what's going to keep the the main players doing their job in the right way in the right place. Is that, is that, am I stretching yeah. it or does that make sense? No, that yeah, sense. you, you got it. And, and I'll throw this in there too, you know, cause a lot of people that are listening to this probably already do calf raises, right? But mm. what I see a lot is people come up on their toes and then their, their ankles turn out. Does that make sense? Yep. So, oh, yeah. so what I tell everybody is think about the ball of your foot right below your big toe. Think about pressing that into the ground as you do calf raises, and I'm sure all your listeners right now are just like trying this as you're hearing it. Because what, what this will do. Well, they're all running right now, so I don't oh, think yeah. this. Uh, or Fair they're enough. driving. My guess is they're not just like dicking around listening to this podcast. <laughs> but well, I, could could be. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Continue. <laughs> yeah. But all this will basically do is it, it will engage your outer leg, which are called your fibularis muscles. And then at the same time, this will get like both of your calf muscles working more as a team. Does that make sense? So you're using mm-hmm. more of your lateral and medial as compared to just isolating one side. So, yep. so when your runners do calf raises or even deadlifts, you want to think about pushing that ball of your foot down into the ground so you're more stable. So Does that make sense? So you said, yes, it does, but... Um, Something you get, you gave me a mini lecture on calf raises the other day, and and that typically the thing is is like you know runners are like I'm on my feet all the time I run and push off of my calves you know, I'm a four foot striker I'm doing a mini calf raise every time my feet hit the ground why are we wrong? I would say we wrong? you're wrong. No, but I would say the big thing, and even when Pete brought this up because I was I was standing there and I the big thing is eccentric control. So, and I'm sure everybody listening knows this because you you have a very uh, our listeners are very smart. They're very smart. Very smart listeners. So, like, when you point your toe and your calf gets tight, you can see all the definition of the muscle. That's your concentric activity. And that's your main thing when you're running is you're concentrically pushing off each time. So eccentric would be if you go up on your tippy toes and then you very slowly go down to your heels and you're still using the same muscle. So it's still your calf muscle being used, but instead of using it in a shortening fashion, it's now lengthening as you use it. Um, and I think this is where like heavy calf raises and stuff can come and play because you're putting such a different torque on your Achilles tendon um, that you normally don't get. That can be, again, super, super healthy for resiliency to injury. So I wouldn't say, no, it's wrong. It's Again, it's training 
it's doing something that you don't always do. It's not that overuse injury. It's taking a step back and saying, what am I always doing? What can I add in? That's just a sprinkle different. That's going to work my Achilles tendon a little bit differently. It's also super healthy for your tendons to work them eccentrically because they get a little bit of stretch on them as they're being worked. The muscle belly gets a stretch on it as it's being worked. So it's just a little bit different uh, way to work that calf area that also will help with injury prevention, help with resilience, all stuff. I suppose like the eccentric loaded exercise would be really good for um, repetitive weight-bearing movement of any kind, right? Because we always yeah. are, there's always a minimal braking effect happening in an eccentric load in the run motion. So that makes sense. And this is why I feel like you, if you give anybody, like if you just give a random person a calf stretch and they do it and they're like, oh gosh, that feels so good. It's because we never, ever stretch our calves unless you're told to, or unless like you're always concentrically, you're always contracting them. Very rarely are you stretching them or elongating them as they're being used. Well, I think the calf often feels like unaccessible. It's so tight. Like you go to try to stretch it and you're like, that doesn't feel good. Like that feels bad in like a way in which I don't think I should. Like if you, if somebody pushed on the back of my leg, it would snap feeling, right? Like I think that's part of the uh, like, well, I'll just leave that alone sort of thing. At least that's been my experience. (laughs) I would say that's true. And it's just like maybe people have seen somebody else doing a calf stretch, but they don't really know how to do it. So they kind of get in the position and do it, but you don't feel it exactly in the calf and then you're just like, ah, it didn't work. Like, I'm, I'm all set. Yeah. Um, so I want, so we're talking about the piddly stuff still. I want, I want you each to give me your three fit. You have to pick three. It's only, we're only on the piddly <laughs> stuff. And if you're in agreement, great. I just want people to have like very concrete takeaways for them to maybe add into their routine if they so choose. So your three favorite piddly movements or exercises for runners accessory movements folks um so what do you what, what jumps out at either of you like, i don't know you, if you, you agree with this right off the top i say sidestep with band is one of my favorites to give people sidestep with band you got in, two more well no that's in, just right away i gotta think in about a, the other two but in a squat position straight leg so like, position 90 like degree. an athletic position i always tell people it's like if i was you were playing whatever pick your sport soccer basketball and you were gonna about to guard me that's, that's like kind of the position I want you. It's like an athletic type position. You're slightly squatted. Your chest is slightly leaned forward. And then you're going to try to hold that position. Um, and you're just sidestepping. And what your goal is, is if I could only see, if you were behind a wall and I could only see you from, you know, your chest up, that I don't see your chest going left and right. Like I really can't tell what's going on. And it's just lower body doing that, that motion. And again, if you've never done this and you do this, and I'm guessing most people have done a version of this. Like your outside hips, your glute meat area will just burn. And you're like, mm-hmm. this is this is torture. So right off the top, that's number one that I just love doing. And it's a, it's an overused exercise, I'll admit it. But it's because it's a really good exercise. And it's something, again, it's a mm-hmm. lateral motion. We just don't work. I always tell people when they do those types of movements that from the hips up, they should look like, like a lawn gnome. Like something's wrong yes. with them. Like everything, it should be like your body's moving in the lower half, but your upper body like doesn't seem to be like just frozen. It's just like right where it needs to be. And maybe that's bad advice. I don't know, but that's no, like that's no. great advice. That's exactly it. Yeah. Okay. Side. So banded side walks. I don't know if he agrees with that in the three, but that's one that I would okay. definitely pick. Are we doing three apiece or just three I, total? I have no real idea here, but this would be, so this would be for lateral, like uh, hip stability primarily. Yep. Correct. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I, well, we kind of already talked about it, but I would do calf raises, standing and sitting. Okay. Um, Body weight or weighted? weighted. Elevated or not elevated? 
uh, I would say elevated. So you're getting your, your heel drop, right? So you're getting that stretch. But then everyone listening, so you don't go so heavy that you're losing your bad form. You know what I mean? So you're, you keep your form, but you go as heavy as you can tolerate, right? Digging the ball you- of your foot behind your big toe into whatever surface it's on. Making exactly. sure that's planted. Okay. Yep. Because what will happen is if you turn the weight up too much or you add too much weight, I guarantee ankles will start rolling out, right? So it's, it's compensation. It's a compensation mm-hmm. pattern. So, and then slowing it down too. Like usually when I'll do calf raises, I'll do a set of 15 with good form and then I'll hold for 10 seconds at the top, really squeeze and then try and fatigue those muscles and then do 15 fast. Okay. You know what I mean? So you're, How, when you're are you focusing those... on the eccentric then? Every rep? Slow Every and rep. controlled yep. on the way down? So you do 15, nice, slow and controlled, hold for a 10-second hold at the top, and then do 15 fast. So you're still working on that quick kind of more plyometric type movement. Okay. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And you think that's so very should... important for uh, what reasons, again, just to reiterate what that would be doing so people can yeah, bring so... full circle? The first slow part is you're just building up that stimulus to the muscle, right? So you're fatiguing that muscle group. And then you add in that quick stuff at the end because that's essentially with running, you need kind of that quick stretch on your tendons, on your muscles, because that, that's the, the act of running. Okay, got it. Yep. All right, I got two. So we got lateral banded walks, and then we got uh, calf raises, standing and sitting but making sure we get below parallel on those calf raises so we get a nice, stretchy, centric situation there. Uh, what one else? One thing I'll, I'll, I'll say, and I don't know, I'm having trouble picking, like, top three, but another that I Well, you each can have three. Like, if we had do. six total, I don't care. Well, I, I'm just having trouble ranking them. That's the problem. There's just, mm-hmm. like, 12 of them going around. Like, ah, I kind of like that one, too. I'll say one that what I like is uh, is hip, hip flexor strength, too, is something that I think is people never, ever do. So... There's a couple that I like, like you can stand just uh, with a band kind of behind you, wrapped around your foot, let your leg go into extension, or let it kind of go behind <clears> you almost, and then kind of quickly bring it up into a march position. And you're working. I call those banded knee drives. Okay, perfect, exactly, yes. So if anyone knows what Kirk's banded knee drive is, that exactly. So, um, like I like that kind of stuff, or hip flexion, or even uh, like laying on a... a bench or a mat table something like that having like a small kettlebell around your foot and you're just allowing you're you're all the way to the side of the table allowing that leg to fall almost to the ground and then you're just again picking that up nice and slow so there you're putting a little bit of an eccentric load is the leg bent or straight when you're picking it up nice and slow you can kind of it's easier if you have it slightly bent you can obviously make it harder longer level level arm having it straight so slightly bent to start i would say Uh, we did but then um, you're getting that long eccentric uh kind of load on that that area too yeah, that makes sense. I've, ne- I've never thought of that one. We did banded. We called them banded knee drives in college. Uh, we'd have our partners stand maybe, you know, four feet behind us, not three feet behind us, stand on the band or put it around their ankle. And then we'd lean against a wall and we'd dynamically drive our knee forward, drive our yeah. knee forward, and we'd switch sides. And it's astounding. I mean, like, in the run motion, like, for our hip flexors, like, they take the brunt of everything, I feel like. Like, you do ab exercises, and you're like, my hip flexors are tired first. Like, <laughs> yeah. every time you lift your legs, it's like, that's like a kind of like a, a, not a weak point, but a point of, like, 
I don't know what I would call it, but like strengthening that for your knee drive so you can keep run economy later on when you get tired, the ability to just mm-hmm. lift your leg, I feel like that is a very underrated movement. It's something I I did a um a strength training for runners episode on YouTube with Olympian Kerry Tullison back in 2013. It's got like a million views, something crazy. <laughs> wow. If you go, if you YouTube strength training for runners, it's like the first hit. I swear to God, <laughs> I had no idea. But that was one that I thought was so important to include. And so we go through the banded knee drive. Um, and I did very little piddly shit, by the way, in that. <laughs> well, and that well, was one of them. And the other one well, I did was a side plank with a lateral leg raise. So holding the side yeah. plank. And that's then a great, giving it lat- lateral. Those are the two yeah. piddly, piddly shit I, I well, had heard. That's a great exercise. Even one that I don't no. do that much, but I think is really good. It's that side plank. What is it called? Uh, where it's your adductor. Oh, uh, Copenhagen side plank. Copenhagen plank. Yeah, those are where. So you're. It would be like your inside of your knee is actually on the bench, and you're lifting yourself up using. This is going to be way too hard to like say over this, but yeah. Look no. up Copenhagen so, plank. So you. <laughs> okay. you, you not, I don't know you, what it is. You get in a side plank position, Kirk, and then you put your top leg, your foot, on an elevated surface. Got so it. a bench, a box, whatever. Yep. And then you have to pick your bottom leg up in a uh, side plank position. So your that's top leg crush like your media, like your growing area, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, crushes your adductors. So and then if that really crushes somebody, you can just do instead of doing prolonged holds, you can just do reps, right? You can just come up, go down. Right, so just mm-hmm. do a set of 10 instead of doing like a 30, 45 second hold if it's too hard in the beginning, you know? And but you that's can, another good one for somebody who has like a groin, pulled their groin, an adductor strain. That's another great exercise. And you can move okay. the bench or whatever up to the knee to make it easier too. Yeah. Obviously, okay. then the foot is. is yeah. What do you guys yeah. think of the. Uh, uh, the spreaders and the closers, the adductor and the abductor machines at the gym, the ones that the chicks are supposed to use, right? You don't make eye contact with anybody while you're doing them. <laughs> yeah. I think that those are like, of course, they're machines and you're losing planes of movement, but I'm a fan for beginners to just use like, like men are very much like coy to get on those things and use them. Um, what do you guys think of the spreaders and closers, the hip adductor and abductor machines for runners? Waste of time or no? I, for runners... I would say waste of time because I okay. think there's just much more running based exercise that you can do where you're going to get more bang for your buck. And okay, they're not a waste of time. If you enjoy doing those, <laughs> great. Go ahead. Whatever and do makes them. you happy, huh? Is that yes, what it was? <laughs> but I think your time would be much more better spent working on a side plank with hip abduction to strengthen your hip abductors, as well as a Copenhagen side plank or even deadlifts because you're still engaging all your muscles if you just do deadlifts as well you know so okay. it's it's I'll, fine i'll agree with that with the slight of you're saying like beginners especially so again if you just don't do lateral stuff sure get on there is it the most functional movement no how often are we sitting with our knees totally bent and you're pushing it like it never you never ever mm-hmm. do that motion but you are working lateral and medial parts that you don't usually work you are working those areas so I agree with Pete. If you're like, if you're a higher level athlete and you do other stuff, like they're good. They're just they're, You can get more bane for your buck in other areas. But if you don't do this stuff and you, you know, you're like, man, I need to start working some lateral and some medial stuff. Sure, get on there. Start. It's still you're still going to feel it. Your hand, your groin area is still going to be like, wow, that was way more work than I expected that to be. So I'd say it's good, but work out of it to more functional. Like again, banded walk stuff like that, where you're in an upright movement. It's a lot more functional in that. Um, in that movement okay yeah that's fair um 
so let's just like recap these exercises. So we have land, uh, lateral banded walks. We have calf raises, seated and standing. Make sure we focus on the eccentric. Um, from there, we said banded knee drives or hip flexor movements or with the kettlebell where you're laying facing up on the side of the bench, letting your leg drop below the surface of the table and then raising it with like a kettlebell hooked around your toe. What, like a 10-pounder probably would be yeah, plenty on that? you can go pretty light. Yeah. Can I add um, one thing with that? The one yeah. Ben said with the kettlebell. Yeah. So yeah. then you're also at the same time, yeah, you're getting your hip flexors, but you're also strengthening your anterior shin muscles yeah. where mm. people tend to get shin splints, you know? So, so it's just, yep. exactly. Yep. Okay. Um, did we talk about any other ones? Uh, I got a couple that ones. I'm thinking, thinking of in my head. Uh, what do you think I for love... the, the person at home, like the side plank leg raise, so to speak for something to throw in for a lot of stability, you think yeah. something like that's worth people's time yeah. yes for sure for sure and it's something you do literally right in your living room yep and if and you I haven't have... done it you're going to be like this is really difficult yep you're not going to realize how much hip strain it puts on you people think oh it's yeah. going to yep. be my abs or my shoulders and it's your support hip that just gets crushed exactly yeah yep yep one other one that you can do right in your living room is just a single leg glute bridge with okay. a prolonged hold you know because usually sometimes people will notice that oh it's harder on my left than my right or vice versa and then they might notice that, oh, this is also the side where I just have this little nagging issue, you know? So you can really compare hip stability side to side just by doing a single leg glute bridge. That's a great one, too, with the single leg glute bridge to really work on that pelvic tilt we were talking about earlier of getting your butt underneath you. Can you recruit your glutes to actually do a big portion of this movement? Or again, are you really strong and you compensate and your glutes don't do anything? That's a good movement for that. Okay, do you think uh, people should be pushing through uh, the ball of their foot, their heel, uh, their feet should be pushing through both. Which one is more bang for your buck in that one? So if you if you do that with your toes up, so more pushing through your heel, you are going to get a lot more hamstring engagement. More rear chain engagement. You know what I mean? Yep. So so I, I would say that just because if you're doing it, you might as well work a little more hamstrings and glutes at the same time. Yeah. Um, one thing to avoid is just if your knees are getting too extended, then you're going to engage more quads you're just going to compensate and not be using more of the posterior chain okay yeah i always yeah. make this joke with my clients like when we're doing single leg glute bridges like don't half-ass it ha 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 yeah. Yeah. but it's true with that movement meaning like you really need to push into that movement like you can yeah. go through the motions in a single leg glute bridge and get practically nothing out of it it's yeah, about exactly. really digging in on top so yep. They don't get my joke, but you guys do. I get it. Yeah. I'll tell people, Very funny, Kirk. pretend you're wearing like, yeah. <laughs> I'll say like, pretend like you're wearing a big belt buckle and you're trying to push that toward the ceiling. You know, you're trying yeah. to really extend, get that terminal extension. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to wearing a big belt buckle out there. Yes. <laughs> Nobody in this state. <laughs> okay. So I think what I'm going to do too, if you guys don't mind, um, we got about 15 minutes left and I want to use all of it if we can, before we all have to get back to work. Um, is I think I'm going to ask you guys to put together like, uh, here's the six, uh, here's the six like piddly exercises to do. Um, and we can post it on our social media cause I think people need to see it. And I, then we can, we can link them back to you guys too, which would be good. Yeah. Um, if you guys would be up for that, but, um, let's flip, uh, let's flip, uh, to the other side of the coin and get to the, ho oh, oh, oh. <laughs> movements not the hoo-ha movements ben um so what are those what are some of the ones um that you think 
you know, the bravado, the, the ones we're thinking of here in the gym, which ones do all runners need to be doing? Barbell, dumbbell, you name it. I bet we're going to yep. say number one is the same one. Yeah, I'm guessing so. Deadlift? Deadlift. Yeah. Oh, I thought sure. it was going to be bicep curls. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's number we two. Were, we were joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say deadlift for sure is number one. That honestly, like, yeah, runners should be doing Everybody should be doing a version of it. Maybe it's not, you know, pack on the weight and do it with the barbell or the hex bar, whatever. But for sure, deadlift would be my number number one. Barbell deadlift, traditional deadlift, as you think of it. Uh, what do you? What, I, I more like specifics. Uh, if I had to pick one, it's like pizza, all are good, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's mix it up, get creative. I don't. I I will barbell deadlift, not every week, but I like mixing it up and doing kettlebell deadlifts or yeah. heavy dumbbell deadlifts. Or, I like the hex bar occasionally too. Yeah. I like to to change it because, like, with the barbell you do have slightly more weight anteriorly, whereas like a hex, you can actually put that weight right in the middle. So you're going to work different things. The deadlift itself is just such a good lift in general. And then you can play with it a little bit to do it with the, the you know, holding a dumbbell on each side or whatever, doing it with the kettlebell, stuff like that, where you're going to put a little different stress on your body, but it's still the same basic movement. Would you argue now runners are very number oriented. Metrics matter a lot to us from pace to heart rate to vert gain to gym numbers so we like we like to see progression so that would lead a runner to go and do the barbell deadlift every week every like the same deadlift right because we want to be able to see progression are you maybe um arguing for the for the side of maybe like actually don't worry about that as much and do different stimulus or no I would say it depends on your program a little bit. Like, again, if you're doing well-rounded stuff, I'm okay with you doing generally, like, it's nice to see progress on your deadlift. If you're doing the same deadlift each week, you get to see progress in that deadlift, right, where it's hard to compare a dumbbell deadlift to a barbell deadlift. Am I improving? I don't know. Um, so if you're doing a lot of well, other well-rounded things, now do I want you to do that for the rest of your life, you know, one time a week? No, but it's, I think it's not bad if that's the way. If you love doing barbell deadlift and you like to see your numbers go up and measure against that same lift and you do another piddly stuff and you're running and you're doing all this i don't mind it okay what i'm thinking is it, it depends on where you are in your training you, you know what i mean like usually somebody in their program you know kind of right now we're in the peak of running season where everybody's just running running like crazy mm-hmm. and my advice is just get a deadlift stimulus somehow at least once or twice a week but then usually in the winter, people tend to just take running down a little bit. And if that's when you're getting into more of your strength training time, fine. Do do barbell deadlifts two times a week. Do three, four sets of five, you know, and yeah. load it up, load it up. So you can start somewhat heavy, but by the time you get to that last set, your fourth or fifth set, load it up and do some heavy deadlift. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why the deadlift? What is it doing for us? You want to take this? You want me to take it? You can take it. I can take it, but I'll let you guys. You're the, <laughs> yeah, you're no, the true no, experts. Maybe I kind of want to hear you're, Kirk go after it. I think. Nope. We're hitting those hammies. We're hitting your glutes. We're hitting the quads. It's a compound lift, so you're getting you're getting everything you want all in one package. So it's the biggest bang for your buck strength biggest exercise. Biggest bang for your buck. Yep. Okay. Um, that what other and movements? Squats. And squat. What other movements come to mind? Yep, let's let's go there. Yep. So runners are always like, but oh, I'm running 70 miles a week. My legs are constantly junk, and now you want me to 
squat on them? You want me to deadlift on them? Like, it's going to take away from my running the next three days. Like, I don't want to sacrifice that. What do you say to those people? I would say it comes back a little bit to that catabolic uh, work where you want you have to throw different stimulus. And is it going to probably wreck you if you don't do it usually for a couple days? Yeah, probably. If you keep doing it and you stay consistent with it, though, are you going to be able to recover from that a lot faster and be able to go? Also, yes. So it is a little bit of a double-edged sword, but you're going to end up benefiting more from it. And might you also have to back off a little bit as you start to introduce that? Probably also, yeah. Um, But... Again, I think you get so much more benefit from it. And again, a resiliency standpoint. That's where I come back to, too. Lifting heavy things is surprisingly good for our body. You're getting a ton of resiliency through every single joint from your ankle, your knee. Again, you're using your core. You're using in between each one of your vertebrae and your back. You have a disc. That That is having some positive uh, pressure on that even. So the resiliency and the stuff you gain from it is well worth slightly hindering your running, even if it might be for you know a couple of weeks. So long-term progression will definitely be affected positively, even if short-term uh, you take a small hit yes. in the yes. moment. Say, and that's the thing go... is, is so many runners like just won't even do that first one because they're just like, I did it once a year ago and it ruined me for a week and I'm never doing yeah. it again. Yeah. yeah. And I, I would argue that you're, you'll be better off long-term if you just cut down your miles to 50 for one week and got <clears> on <throat> some strength training and then built up back from there. So you might go through a period of a few weeks of suck where it just sucks. Mm-hmm. But long term, it's going to be so much better for you. So why the and squat? Again, okay. another, another compound lift, right? We're getting, you're getting your glutes, your quads, your hammies. We're kind of hitting all the same muscle so, groups again. And, and your calves, right? And it's just a good compound lift where uh, you're getting your whole body involved, right? Everything's there. You're getting all the muscles you need specific to running. And it's slightly, I mean, obviously deadlift, you're still working a lot of the same things. You're working squat, but it's a little bit different focus where squat, you're getting a lot more glute. Um, you're getting a lot more quad. Whereas at deadlift, you're getting a lot of hamstring, which is awesome. Again, runners, you want mm-hmm. everything in your leg to be tip top, but that would buy those two, I think would be top because you're working, you're pretty much getting everything. And now if you throw in Pete's calf raises in there, you're really, you're hitting everything. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> you, you guys haven't said anything um, so a lot of like runner mentality will be like, well, I work my legs so much cause I run. So I'm going to, I focus on my upper body in the gym and you see that way more than you think way more <laughs> than you think. Um, you guys haven't mentioned a single upper body or core movement core is in the trunk. The hips I would consider part of the core in my opinion, but we can, I mean, it's an argument to be had. Um, I, I, yeah. So, so is there anything for upper body stuff that jumps out at you guys? Um, at all, really. I've never worked with a runner who's had an upper body injury, so that's, that's kind point. of that's kind of where <laughs> I'm at. Um, and it depends if you're doing like OCR stuff or if it's like marathon running. Obviously, that you're going to be using upper body a lot more. You need to include other stuff, but yeah, yeah, you can continue. Just want to throw that in. I I would say so. As far as core goes, you know, running is an upright activity, right? So. Core stuff that I prefer, you already hit on this, Kirk, but side planks with hip abduction because you have to stabilize through your core, right? But then doing things upright, so like a unilateral march where you're holding weight on one side, but then you're marching on that side. Mm. So you have, to, yep. you have to stabilize on the other side, right? And you'd be surprised at how many people can't do that. So over the course of running, 
you're just realizing like, whoa, their core on the one side is not holding them upright for the duration of their run. You know, and it's just little minuscule movements. But uh, I guess where I'm going with this is doing more stability core exercises rather than your crunches to get your six pack. More functional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And again, if you do, I've never met anybody that does deadlifts and squats a fair amount and has a weak core because you can't do those motions effectively having a weak core. So you're obviously you're you're working that a lot as well. If you don't incorporate those already, you're going to get core work with that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, any other like uh, traditional gym movements? We're big fans of the Bulgarian split squat. Oh yeah. Um, I still think if I could only pick one, and not. It, excluding the deadlift um <laughs> i would probably pick the bulgarians like you know an elevated That's trail leg uh, but yeah um only because we like to move single leg especially when we have our, our runners going into the mountains um we like to start doing a lot of the single leg work once we get into season but um any and that, anything that else a really good exercise that's one that we didn't bring up, but I do like that a lot because, again, you're getting core. You have to balance laterally, so you're getting whether it might seem like a frontal-type motion, but you're actually getting mm-hmm. a lot of lateral stability with that same motion as well. Um, so not just to steal your answer, but kind of to steal your, yeah, your no, answer. I'm very flattered. <laughs> very flattered. Are you, are you looking for an upper body exercise? Yeah. Let's give let's give some people something if you got it. Yeah. Yeah. I Anything working the backside of your body, right? So you're kind of getting, at least you're getting, uh, you know, your back muscles. So when you run, you're more upright, right? Sometimes you see the the slouch Mm -hmm. shoulder runners, which there's, at the end of the day, there's nothing really wrong with that. But somebody could argue that getting yourself upright will give your lungs some more room to expand. So Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, your rows, your reverse flies, your your pull-ups, lat pull-down, those are all good exercises too. That's what I was going to say. Anything working the mid-back. So, I mean, again, there's a million exercises. But, yeah, all of the ones he just said. Mid-back is something that – it's another area where I feel like the, the theme of this show is, like, it's work areas that people don't usually work. But mm-hmm. that's an area where, again, you, if you do go into the gym and you do upper body and you're not super in it, you're going to do biceps and triceps and chest and do all that stuff, right? But mid-back is just something that's – it's not a sexy area. Like, it's not an area you get into and – you really feel good and show off to people. But it's an area that's super foundational for your whole upper body uh, yep. to have that strong mid-back. Yeah, people forget about that because they can't see it in the mirror sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I got a back back there. <laughs> um, as far as the deadlift goes, you often see like people, uh, and I'm, I'm one of these guys, Like even if I have proper technique, which I think I do, um, my lower back will be pretty tight. It'll be it'll tighten up on me for a few days. And sometimes I can feel that impacts my running a little bit as far as my ability to open up my rear chain, thus stride out without being like, it can start to, you know, it can tighten up on me. And I think a lot of people experience that. And I'm sure there's a myriad of reasons why, like you could probably diagnose me with X, Y, and Z. Right. <laughs> um, but like, what do you say to those people like who experience tight lower back? And let's say for the most part, they're doing the exercise correctly. Like what, what do you give them to negate that, if anything? Let me take it. You take it. I have some thoughts. Okay, take it, it. So you could always do some mobility stuff after you do deadlift, right? Um, one thing I'll always tell people, too, is if your back gets really tight, because usually people's backs will get really tight after they've moved a really heavy weight. You can always modify things and, say, lighten the weight up 
but now just do higher reps. Do do sets 15, do sets of 20 where you're still working on that motion and using all these muscles, but maybe yep. your back just won't be as shredded after the fact. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Or you, I mean, with that modification too, like even starting, like if you're getting in deadlift and you do it and you notice that your back is racked, you can do it from doing it on the the rack and using like the squat uh safety bars safety bars yeah and putting mm-hmm. those on so that you don't have to do a full you're not fully going to the ground sure. um so it's kind of like a modified movement so again you're still doing the deadlift type movement it's not as far um but i'll tell people like if you're gonna if you went on you know a super long run would you be hurting probably a little bit the next day like a longer mm-hmm. run than usual not kirk well yeah not definitely me. not kirk no 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 i'd be hurting for the next three days i'm 39 now <laughs> So, like, if you're going to do a deadlift, this is one thing that, like, everyone thinks, I don't do these movements because my back hurts. You have a ton of muscles in your lower back. I want them to work. You're going to feel some soreness in your low back. Like, that's totally totally. If you win and you crush biceps, would you feel your biceps the next day? Probably. So it's the same area. I don't want you. Now, if you're getting pain down one leg, it feels like it's, you know, electric-type feeling, pins and needles, all that stuff. Yeah, those are kind of some red flags that I don't want you to push through. But if you're doing it proper form, like we're assuming, that kind of stuff, and you feel some soreness in your low back, it's not unusual. It's not uncommon. It doesn't mean you have anything wrong. And often, again, it means that those muscles are going to get stronger. So, yeah, other work, like Pete said, mobility work. Um, Like even as simple as like laying on your back, putting your feet and knees together with your feet flat on the ground and just letting your knees go side to side. Like getting really light stretch before your run so it's – it's not static stretching into anything. It's getting a little bit movement, but you're getting some blood flow. Hopefully you can relax those muscles a little bit into some movement and then you go around, which they might tighten up again, but hopefully you at least feel a little bit better doing it. Okay. Um, there's more I want to dive into, but uh, I got to commute into the gym here that I need to start working on. So um, where can uh, – we got to wrap this thing up is what I'm getting at. So uh, <laughs> you probably saw I was going there. So where I'm – where can guys find you? Um, you guys are in the Minneapolis metro here, uh, partner with Lions Gym and Wellness Center like I do. Um, where can they find your stuff, see what you're doing, reach out to you, all that? Yeah, so we are obviously at Lions Gym and Wellness in Robbinsdale. Obviously, pop in if you do got some injuries, something like that. We love to talk to people, go through that. Um, we're probably most active on, we do have a Facebook page. We have our website, which more than welcome to go fill some out. We got some free guides and stuff there, but we're probably most active on Instagram. Um, which I don't you lay that out for people. What it, what the handle is, what my specific handle is Benjamin Britton, B R I T T O N P T underscore revival. Kind of a mouthful. Pete's is much more concise. Mine is D P T underscore Pete. (laughs) Easier to remember that. And do you yeah. guys have a revival? Um, so it's revival physical therapy is the business. Do you have a revival Instagram or social account? Yes. And I believe that's just revival PT and wellness with an underscore as a space in all of those. Okay. So revival and your website? PT underscore. Website's revival PT. Uh, revival PT.net. Dot net. That's the big okay. link up there. What I would like to do is get, uh, get, like I said, get a video you find gentlemen doing at least some of the, the ancillary or the accessory movements um so we could put something up and then link to your link to your pages as well which would be good um i'll tell you what man you guys are hustling you guys are yeah all the piddly stuff you guys are hustling late 20s working hard building your business i see what you're doing with uh 
with patients or clients in the gym, a lot of respect for what you guys are doing. So give these people some love, listeners. That's what I think. <laughs> well, we appreciate being on here and giving us the opportunity. So I know we are really excited for this. Yeah, thanks for having us, Kurt. Yeah, I'll see you guys in about uh, 40 minutes at the gym. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah take bye. care. Thank you.